just a, a, a brief um, recap, you know, chapters one and two. We mentioned how the book of Leviticus, it's it's a it's a book that was just how the title says it was it was dedicated is actually instruction specifically for the Levitical priesthood. Now, the the tribe of Levi is one of the twelve tribes, is one of the, the sons of Jacob. Uh, we know that Moses was of the tribe of Levi. His brother Aaron was of the tribe of Levi. Aaron's sons were the uh, the tribe of Levi, and we know that 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 God ordained the Levitical tribe. To be the the priestly tribe and so every single priest there in, in israel had to be of the tribe of levi uh interesting that if anybody wanted to be a priest which man it would have been an awesome job you know would have been an awesome role an awesome title to go into ministry before the lord to go into the tabernacle to to minister on behalf of the people i mean man, it's something that that, that to, to spend time with god in his presence and, and sacrificing uh all these things unto the lord and something that a lot of people would have would have admired you know but it, it wasn't something that they could just sign up for it wasn't there wasn't like a volunteer sheet there wasn't like a, a hiring process if if you wanted to be a priest you had to be one of the tribe of levi you had to be a male and then if you wanted to be a high priest you had to be of the tribe of levi a male and also of the direct descendants of of aaron of the sons of aaron and so we see that that god uh this is actually god speaking to moses uh and so this actually takes place Somewhere towards the end of Exodus and uh, the middle of the number of the, the book of Numbers, and so as Moses is up in Mount Sinai for the second time, no, uh, for the second time now talking to God. You remember the first time that he was up there, God was giving him the Ten Commandments, and like halfway through him, he says, "Moses, you got to get down there, man. The people are going crazy." And Moses went down there, and he found Aaron had made a golden calf, and the people were dancing around it, naked, worshiping this golden calf. And so we're we're told that that, that Moses had to go down the mountain. And then God called him back up to the mountain a second time. And so as he's up there the second time, uh, God is, is now giving him this whole, uh, this whole address, this, all these instructions to the Levitical priesthood. And so this whole book of Leviticus takes place uh, within like a period of about, of about a month. And so we could read through it, 20-something chapters, but it actually took place in a period of about a month as God is speaking to, uh, to Moses and giving him these instructions for the priesthood. We covered... In the first few offerings, which are the burnt offering and the grain offering. And now we're going to look into uh, the peace offering, a sin offering, uh, a trespass offering. And then even uh, just these offerings that, that were to be given by the priests when they messed up. So just picking it up there in chapter 3. It starts off by saying this in, in Leviticus chapter 3. It says, when his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it, of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the, of the offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons of the priest shall sprinkle the blood all around the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire to the Lord. He says, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on, on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. And Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt, upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire, as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And so, it, 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 we're we're talking now about about the peace offerings. And sorry, bro, I'm doing, I'm speaking from the because I want to record it, so I don't want to make it weird. And so, it, 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 now as God is giving instructions to Moses for the people concerning now what's what's known as the peace offerings. And so we see that, that, that this peace offering, uh, it was to be either a male or female goat. Uh, it was to be a, a male or, or female uh, animal. And it was to be without blemish, meaning, man, this thing had to be perfect. Like, literally, it had to be perfect before they gave an offer it unto the Lord. And 
we're told that the greatest we have an example here uh, of, of like the biggest you know sacrifice that anybody ever gave and it was actually by Solomon uh, there in the book of first Kings chapter 8 uh, we have the account of Solomon building the first temple there in Israel the first temple there in Jerusalem the first temple that the nation of Israel ever had to come and to worship the Lord and to sacrifice uh, was built actually by, by Solomon and so as Solomon built this man huge temple that was just man uh, uh, I mean covered with gold covered with silver covered with bronze it was like this amazing thing that people came from all around the world to see it was actually one of the one of the wonders of, of the ancient of the ancient world and we're told that that Solomon when he built this huge temple that he he made a peace offering unto the Lord and we're told there in first Kings 8 63 that that he offered 22,000 cattle and he offered 120,000 sheep there on the on the opening day of the of of, of the of the temple of the Lord, and so interesting that when it comes to the peace offering, um, this peace offering wasn't like to make atonement for the people. It wasn't to to like it wasn't to make to make a, a covering for your sin. But literally, this peace offering was just uh, a type of fellowship that you would have with God, right? The burnt offering was meant. To cover your sins when you would mess up the the grain offering was meant to cover your sins when you would mess up but the peace offering was literally just you saying god here i want to not establish peace but i want to enjoy peace with you and so they would they would make this peace offering unto the lord and they would just eat with god later on we're, we're going to be told here in the, in the in the next few verses that uh, all the leftovers as it was sacrificed to the lord all the leftovers was to be cooked uh for the person who who, who brought the offering and for the priest as well and so they would eat the leftovers and at the same time they would they would burn whatever they came to offer unto the lord so it was like this huge uh barbecue pretty much that's exactly what it was and as they were doing this they were having fellowship with god it's like they were eating a meal with god as it would bring all these different things and it speaks of this peace between man and god it speaks of this fellowship between man and god it speaks of this this this, this oneness between god's people and god and so we're told that that they were to bring these uh these peace these animals as these peace offerings and so as far as numbers uh solomon was was we have recorded for the, for us that he, he offered again those twenty two thousand cattle and 120 sheep as a peace offering unto the lord and so it's it just an amazing statement that solomon made man as he as he built this this tabernacle as he built this temple for the people to come worship god it's that like he kicked it off by saying lord before we do any type of service for you we just want to fellowship with you and it's an amazing statement again that he made because uh, again apart from the the, the 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 liturgical part of it apart from like the the four the formalities he just said lord we just want to have fellowship with you right before they did anything else before any any uh, burnt offerings were sacrificed or anything else he said lord we just want to spend time with you we want to eat a meal with you right and so he provided enough food for for all the people uh to come into sacrifice unto the lord now interesting that that again as the bible talks about these these peace offerings Right, not not for atonement, not for anything else, right? But just to have fellowship with God. We know that the greatest peace offering, not so much in quantity but of quality, the greatest peace offering ever made was when Jesus offered himself on the cross. Because by his offering of himself on the cross, man, it brought each and every one of us into peace with God. And all of a sudden, man, we're, we're 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 striving against the Lord. We're striving against His will. We're striving because we don't know Him. We're striving because there's this sin that's getting in the way of us having fellowship with God. The Bible tells us elsewhere it says that that there's that the, the way of the transgressor is hard. I Meaning, man, the, for the, the way for the person who is who is fighting against God or fighting against against that knowledge of God within his heart, it's hard, man. It's hard to live that way. It's hard to to to, to fight against this knowledge of God in your heart. 
and, and it's hard to fight against what, what, what God is calling you to do, knowing that God is drawing you near, right? And, and you're fighting against it. The Bible says that, that the way the transgressor is hard. But because of this amazing peace offering that Jesus made on the cross, that peace offering of his own body, and now we can have this fellowship with God, this peace with God. We read it in Romans last week, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. As Paul said, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this peace that, 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 that Paul was talking about and this peace that, 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 that he expressed through the, the, through the sacrifice of Jesus, on the, of Jesus on the cross, for the Jew hearing this, it would have been like, man, like unattainable. It would, it would have been like, man, just kind of just like thinking about it for, for some time because they, they weren't used to this. This concept of man having peace with God, I mean, complete peace, not by burnt offering, not by something that they could bring, but just by man, being justified by the blood of Jesus. Right, so they, for the Jewish reader, they would have been reading this and they would have kind of just went like, huh? And, and they would have had to just kind of take a step back and just think about this, chew on this. But what Paul was saying, but what Paul was saying, hey, Jesus is that fulfillment of all these offerings that the Old Testament spoke about. And really, as we go through the book of Leviticus, again, all these things have their fulfillment in Christ. Every single one of these offerings, every single one of these, these instructions, they have their fulfillment in Christ. And so, interesting how he says this. Also go down to, to verse 5 as he's talking about uh, sacrificing all the fat. We're told that, that, that all the fat of these, of these burnt offerings, of these, sorry, of these peace offerings, we're told that the priests were to cut it off and, and that they were to, to sacrifice it specifically unto the Lord. And so all the fat part was of the Lord's. I know now in society, right, everyone says, oh, don't eat the fat, right, it's bad for your cholesterol, all these things. But back then it was a delicacy. Why? Because you can make so much things out, out, of, uh, out of this fat of the animal. You can make soap. You can make uh, candles. You can make, you know, all kinds of different things with this fat. And so it was something precious. It was something valuable. It was something that, that, that you wanted to keep, right? You, you could cook with the fat. You could do all kinds of things with this fat. So it was something precious. It was something valuable. It was something uh, desired. But, but it really, it was, to them, it was like the best part of this, of this animal is the fat part. Because you could do so much from it. But the Lord said, hey, the fat is mine. Right? And so as, as they would come with this animal and they would sacrifice it, they were to sacrifice the fat to, to the Lord. They were to cut it off and they were to remove it. It says there in verse 4 at the end of it, it says they should remove it. Then verse 5 says, And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire, as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Notice, notice what it says there. It says, On the altar upon the burnt sacrifice. And so the, the idea is this, is that as they were to bring their offering, they were to first bring their burnt offering, which was to make atonement for their sins, and then they would bring, then they would they would they would lay the fat of the peace offering on top of the burnt offering. They would have the burnt offering, then the peace offering on top. And, and if you think about it, it, it's symbolic. It's symbolic because we see that the altar that received God's portion of the peace offering was the same altar that received the burnt sacrifice. And really, it tells us this: which one came first? You know, the burnt offering. The burnt offering came first, and then on that same altar, the peace offering. But first it had to be the burnt offering, meaning, hey, first you had to make atonement for your sins. And then you would bring that peace offering. Then you would have that fellowship with God. And so we see that peace and fellowship with God come on the same basis as God's sacrifice for sin. And, and for us, it's really the cross. You know, the cross is where both were offered up as well for us. That sacrifice for our sins, but also that peace offering for us unto the Lord. Right? God's sacrifice and peace from God to mankind was offered on the same altar, which is the, the altar of, of Mount Calvary, the altar of, 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 of that hill right there where the cross was at, 
of, of Mount Calvary, of the cross, right? That was like our altar where, where our burnt offering was, was, was sacrificed to make atonement for our sins, to make a covering for our sins, but also our peace offering. The same offering was Jesus, but it was on the same altar. And so as we read through this, man, it's so easy to just kind of read through it and kind of get into like the details of it and just kind of go through it all, you know, and it's kind of just re repetitive. But really, we, we miss out on, on, on again, the, that, that future fulfilling that it had and all these things, right? As we go through these, all these different sacrifices and laws, again, they had their fulfillment in Christ. And for this specific offering, again, this the same altar, right? Uh, for us, for the New Testament Christian, man, we could relate it to the cross. That cross was the altar in which the burnt sacrifice was offered and the peace sacrifice. They were the same sacrifice, but it's the same place, you know, that now brings us peace with God, the cross. And so it goes on to say now in verse 6, it says, If his offering as a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord is of the flock, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. Man, again, perfect. If he offers a lamb and is offering the, and as his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood all around the altar. And so again, now uh, uh, as they bring this, this peace offering uh, of the flock, he says, hey man, whether it's male or female, it has to be perfect. You know, there's no exception whether it's, like even though we had already made our, our, our atonement to the Lord, is now our peace offering, he says, it still has to be perfect, right? Anything that the Lord offers, that we offer to the Lord, he says, it has to be perfect, meaning, man, it has to be valuable, it has to be uh, a meaningful, right? It has to, you can't just offer uh, the Lord roadkill or whatever they found, you know, this, 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 this lamb that was limping or this, or this cow that was missing a leg or whatever. No, they had to be, it had to be perfect. And so the, the whole idea is that, man, that God was, was establishing that, hey, what, what you bring to me, it has to be uh, perfect. It has to be, you know, uh, really has, it, has to, it has to come from the heart, right? Because everybody could offer whatever I find in my power. Here you go. You know, but but it, when it's something that, that you cherish, when it's something that you took the time to protect to make sure it's perfect, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to cost you. Right? And so he's saying, all right, it has to be perfect. And it goes on to say in verse 9, Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. He says, it's fat. And the whole fat tail which he shall remove close to the backbone. And the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them and the flanks. And the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food. An offering made by fire to the Lord. And so again, as they were to, to offer all their things, right? Everything that was left over, it says now that the priests were to offer it. Not as an offering, but as food. An offering made by fire to the Lord. Again, speaks of this fellowship with God. God's not just, just saying, all right, man, bring me your animals. You know, kill the animals, right? Drain the blood, sprinkle the blood on the altar, and, and, and go home and go your way. No, God has desired more than just them and them coming in and doing their, their religious things. He says, no, he says, stick around. He says, stick around. He says, have fellowship. He says, eat, eat of this offering. Right? And, and really, it's the same invitation that the Lord is making to us today. Right? As we just believe on Jesus, um, what he did on the cross for us, on that sacrifice that he made on that altar of the cross. God doesn't say, all right, man, just come, accept Jesus, and all right, man, go live your way, go live your life the, the way you want. He says, no, he says, stick around. Let's have fellowship. Let's get to know each other. Come, you know, he says, come know me, right? I love this invitation that the Lord makes in the book of Isaiah. He says, he says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord, meaning, hey, man, let's have dialogue, right? And that's an invitation that the Lord is making. He says, let us reason together. Let's have dialogue. Let's have a back and forth, right? Let's talk. Let's fellowship. He says, stick around. And so, Again, it says, And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire to the Lord. For the Jewish person, 
And still to this day in their, in their culture, uh, the eating of a meal was something very intimate. For us, it's like, man, it's, it's just something that we do to get fat. To go to the drive-thru, order whatever, you know, go home, eat on the bed, boom, 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 right? We have our forks, we have our things, we have our napkins. I mean, it, it's something very different. It means something very different to us. But for the Jewish reader and, for, and, and, and culturally speaking, especially back then, it was something very intimate. Because they would sit down for a meal. Uh, usually, they would whatever they would kill to, to eat, uh, it would be for a whole family and, and any invited guests. They would all sit around. They would they would share plates. They would share bowls. Uh, usually, they would have like a like like a like a big old plate in the, in the, or pot in the middle that everyone would would reach from, you know, with their bare hands. And it wasn't the intimate, right? They didn't have a, a twelve piece set of, of 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 glassware from Target that they were each each one gets a cup. No. Usually they would all have one cup and they would pass it around and they would fill it up so everyone would be drinking of the same cup, you know, getting their germs out all over the place. Everyone would be reaching their, their dirty hands into this pot to get the food, right? So it was something very intimate. It's like you're becoming one with the person. And so as the Lord is saying, hey, look, he says the rest of the, the, rest of the, 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 the offering, he says, burn it as food. You know what I mean? Hey, have this fellowship with me. You know what I mean? Hey, have this intimacy, this intimate time with me. And he says in verse 12, it says, And if his offering is of a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on its head and kill it before the tabernacle meeting. Again, becoming one with that sacrifice. As he puts his, as a person would come and, and sacrifice his animal, he would put his, his hand on the animal, right? Identifying with the animal. Say, all right, man, look, you're taking my place. Thank you. Right? And they would offer this animal. It wasn't something that they would take lightly. You know, these things are expensive. These things, you know, again, they would, they would raise them from, 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 from they were, when they were uh, uh, calves. Or, or little babies like, again it was something very personal like they were they were to, to lay their hands on it they were to identify with the sacrifice so he says he shall lay his hand on its head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting and the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle his blood all around on the altar now interesting that again as they were to lay their hand on it and identify themselves with the sacrifice notice that then it says that the priests were to kill it before the tabernacle and the sons of Aaron were to sprinkle his blood all around the altar. If I come and I'm bringing my, let's say I'm, you know, back in this day, and I'm bringing my 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 offering, this little goat or this little lamb, I'm putting my head on it, I'm putting my hand on it, I'm identifying with it, and then I see it slaughtered, I see it killed right before my eyes, unto the Lord, and then I see its blood sprinkled upon the altar of the Lord. What does that say to me? You know, it would be as as if I'm bringing myself unto the altar, and if I and, I, and if I'm killing myself. Or offering myself, and really, this is an idea that that, that, that Paul talked about, uh, and this is uh, again the fulfillment of it. Uh, there in Romans chapter twelve, we'll get to it eventually on Sunday mornings. But in Romans chapter twelve, uh, this is kind of the, the idea that Paul is trying to express as he's again talking to these religious Jews who are trusting in in sacrifices and circumcision and all these other things. He says this in Romans chapter twelve, verse one. He says, he "says I beg you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies." As a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, it wasn't that Paul was saying, "Hey, man, literally, just come and just burn your body on the altar"? Nobody was saying, "Hey, man, offer your life, offer your life, right, as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Offer your heart. God is the owner of all things in this world. Right? He is the Creator of all things." David would say, "Lord, uh, the earth and the heavens are yours, and God is is, is the rightful owner of all things." But there's one thing that, 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 that God does not own. And that's our free will. That's our hearts. Right? And that's the only thing that God is saying, look, come and offer it freely unto me. I'm not going to force you, but if you so will, then come and offer it 
offer it freely. And as we do, it's like we're laying ourselves on the altar as well. We're identifying with the sacrifice. We're seeing it killed right before our eyes. We're seeing its blood sprinkled. And, and by default, man, it's like we're being offered up on that, on that altar as well. And so really that's the, the idea that is portrayed through the sacrifice. Hey, man, the sacrifice in oneself, right? My life, my life. And it's not to be like this painful thing, right? But it's, man, as you just offer your life into the Lord. I was talking with, uh, with Sal the other day. And we were just talking about when we first met and... You know, when I when I kind of went, when I first met him in 2017 was kind of the year where I kind of decided, you know what, man, God, you can have whatever you want of me, you can have all of me. Right? I come to the Lord in 2013, walked with him for for a few years, and yeah, I mean, kind of like this, you know, and, and up and down, up and down. Uh, about a year a year before that, I, I made it in a, a point to to read the Bible, but it was 2017 that defining year in my life when my brother passed away. Yeah, I was kind of just my eyes were open to like, man. What is there in life? Like, what's the purpose of life? Am I, was I put on this earth just to work, to do this, and to die? And that's it? You know, and, and, that's, and my eyes were kind of open to just this, this, this that, man, there has to be more. And that was that defining year for me where I just said, God, I know you have a plan for my life. Your, your word says it. And, and, and I, want, I want to know that plan so you can have all my life. You can have whatever you want in me. Every single ounce of me, you can have it. And since then, I've never looked back. And since then, I've just seen God work mightily in my life. Right? In all areas of it, I just, as I just surrender it to Him. So again, that surrendering of self. And so it goes on to say then verse 14, it says, Then He shall offer from, from it His offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat on the entrails, says all those things, He says, uh, He says, The two kidneys, the fat that is on them, the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to it. He says, And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food and offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And in verse 17 it says, this shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations and all your dwellings. You shall eat neither fat nor blood. So you shall eat neither fat nor blood. Why? Because that's to be dedicated to the Lord. Now, interesting that also when you talk about the fat, we know that in our digestive system and the way our, our metabolism works, the body breaks down fat and turns it into energy. Right, the fat in us, our, our, our bodies are designed that way. That it takes the fat, it takes the fat, it, it turns it into energy. And so, notice what it says there in that last verse, verse 17 it says, "You shall eat neither fat nor nor blood, because those things were to be offered to the Lord." And 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 in, in a sense, you know, if we identify ourselves as a sacrifice, right, man, and giving ourselves to the Lord, really, what it's saying is like, man, our, our energy, our self, right, our bodies, and more than that, our blood, which talks about our life, because later on in the book of Le Leviticus, it will say. That, that, the, that the life is found in the blood, right? So it's saying, hey man, your energy, your body, your life, it says, belongs to the Lord. And chapter four says, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, if a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything which ought not to be done and does any of them, is if the anointed priest sins, bring guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned. A young bull without blemish as a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of the meeting before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the bull's head and kill the bull before the Lord. He says, Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. And it says in verse 6, The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar at the burnt offering, which is uh, 
which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. It says, He shall take from it all the fat of the bull as a sin offering, the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat which is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove, as it was taken from the bull of the sacrifice of the peace offering, and the priest shall burn them on the altar of the burnt offering. But the bull's hide and all its flesh, with its head and its legs, its entrails and its offal, the whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn it on, on the wood with fire where the ashes are poured out and it shall be burned. And so interesting that as we get down to chapter 4, we, we cover now what's called uh, the sin offering. And, and God specifically spoke to Moses. He says, all right, speak to the children of Israel. And he says, if a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in any way, and something that he ought not to do. Right? And then he says, Now if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people. And, and, and the, the offering was the same for both of them. He says, Let him bring now a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. Now when he talks about, you know, if a person sins unintentionally. This is actually the first time that the word sin is mentioned here in the book of Leviticus. You would think about, you know, we just covered all these offerings. But this is the first time that the word sin is actually mentioned. And, and, and when it's talking about this person who sins unintentionally, we all sin unintentionally, right? But specifically it's talking about the person who has dedicated their life to God and then sins, which pretty much describes every single one of us, right? But he says, man, for the person who just, who just wants to draw close to the Lord, who wants to just know God, who wants to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, but he just misses the mark, he's speaking to that person. Interesting that the, that the word sin, it, it has this root word in, uh, in, in, in archery, right? And the word, the word sin, literally, you know, it's describing a, 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 a person who is shooting bows, who is shooting arrows, right, in archery. He's aiming for the target, and as he's shooting, he's just, man, he's aiming for it, but he keeps on missing, keeps on missing, keeps on missing. He's falling short. You would call a person a sinner because he's aiming for the mark, but he just comes short of it for whatever reason. Right, that, that the word sin has its root word in, in, in that idea and that thought. Right, you're you're aiming to do good. You know how you know how to do. You know where the aim is, but man, you just miss for whatever reason. Whether you have bad aim, you have bad, bad sight, whatever reason it may be, you just fall short. And so God is now addressing the person who, who's living in a way that that he is desiring to please the, the Lord, but he just falls short for whatever reason. Right, he's like, man, I have this, I have that, I have the other. He says, I don't know what it is, but I just keep on falling short. And God's saying, hey, look, don't worry. And so for the person who just who sins unintentionally, is man, then bring this bull. Right? Now, I love this about the Lord because a lot of people will tell you, man, well, God in the Old Testament is a strict, judgmental, you know, like, ferocious God or whatever. And really we see that God is, is, is making a way for the people to come. Right? Because as the people were hearing all these things from Moses and all these things being spoken, they would quickly realize, just as we do, that man, there's no way I can keep this. There's no way I can keep up with all this. There's no way I can I can meet all these requirements. I probably feel condemned, man. There's no way I can do it. I don't know how anybody can do it. And they would be right. They would be right. But notice that the Lord makes a way for everyone to come. For every single person. And then interesting how he even talks about the priest now, the anointed priest, the guy who was to to bring the offerings to the Lord on behalf of the people, the guy who was to be like the most blameless guy. God says, all right, now if a sin, if, if, a, if a priest, an anointed priest sins unintentionally, bringing guilt on the people. Talking about a, a, a Levitical priest, 
right? Not the type of priest that, that we think about in our minds, but talking about the Levitical priest, a person that's representing God to the people and the people to God. You would think, man, this guy has to be perfect. This guy never sins. This guy is, has it all down. God knows better, right? Because God knows the hearts and the intents of, uh, of man. And so God makes a, makes a way for the priest even to come before the Lord when he sins. This is heavy. This is heavy. Because again, the people would regard the priest as man. Like, oh, step above everyone else. or And these guys were walking around like that. Eventually, you know, they, they would get to a point where they would just be so prideful, right? And then even take advantage of the position and, and, and put themselves above the people. And, and God never meant it to be that way, right? God puts them on the same playing field as everyone else, as sinners. And so God knows that the anointed priest, though he is standing in the gap for the people before the Lord, he knows that at the end of the day, he's just still a man, a sinful man. Right, who's going to fall short as well. And he makes provision for this anointed priest also to come and to offer sacrifices unto the Lord. I love this. Because, you know, for the person who is desiring to represent God to your families, to your co-workers, to um, the body of Christ. And I say this because Peter in the New Testament calls us Christians. He says, he says you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. And really, we get tripped up by the word priest. But really, the word priest literally means an intercessor. Or the guy who stands in the gap. And so Peter calls us a royal priesthood. Meaning, hey, look, we're, we're standing on the gap. We're standing in the gap before the Lord to people. Not in a, not in a position, but I mean like, hey, man, if somebody wants to know about the Lord, man, I know, I know angel, man, I know he, there's something different about him, right? I know he has a relationship with God, and I want to know how. I want to know how I can have that as well. Man, I'm going to go to an angel. I'm going to ask him, hey, bro, how do you do this or that, whatever? How do you know Jesus? Right? And it's like I'm acting as this, 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 this intercessor between him and God. But for us as well, as husbands, as fathers, as you know, leaders, and we have kind of that position as well because us as husbands, we're representing God to our families, to our wives, to our kids. And so we're acting as like the priest of the home. Right? For husbands, man, we're acting as a priest of our marriage. Even at work, man, I mean, not that you're going to go preach to everyone, but, but man, again, you're going to be those examples. And notice that the Lord gives uh, provisions for the priest who sins unintentionally. He knows, and we're faulty. We're just humans. We're, we're simple. We're going to fall short. God expects it, right? I feel like sometimes we sin and we fall short and we mess up. And I feel like, man, like we think, man, God's probably surprised by that. Right? And, and really, man, God is not surprised by our shortcomings. He's not surprised by how short we fall. And how much we miss a mark. Because He knows us. He created us. He knows us more than we even know ourselves. Right? And sometimes I think we're more surprised at, at our shortcomings than, than God is. Because He knows us already. Right? We think, man, I thought I was better than this. I thought I had it all down. I thought I was further than this. And then we soon realize, man, I, I guess I wasn't. But God's not surprised by that. And so interesting how, again, the, the, the Lord, he, he, he provides this, this way for the priest even to, to come and to sacrifice before Him. So that they could... Uh, go and continue their their, their, priestly, their priestly duties before the Lord. But we see that uh, on that same token, for the Levitical priest that was standing on the gap before the people unto the Lord, uh, if he did sin, uh, whether it was intentional or unintentional, and for whatever reason, didn't want to go and take this offering, say, all right, I got to make an offering for myself. Man, it's easy to fall under that pressure, thinking, man, well, everyone's looking at me. They know, they expect more from me. I'm not going to go do this, because then they're going to know that I messed up. They're going to know that I sinned. It's easy to fall into that pressure uh, from the outside 
and pressure like what people think about us or what people, how people perceive us. Like, oh, I'm not going to go up there because now they're going to know I messed up and boom, right? And he could go before the Lord without offering that, 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 uh, that, 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 that offering for himself, right? And minister to the Lord in sin. And, and we fall into that as Christians as well. Where we think, man, well, they know me, right? They know I've been walking with the Lord. They know I changed my life. They know this, this, that, and the other. They know I go to church now. And it's like, man, if they see me fall, right? I know that. Like, it's like we feel that pressure, right? And, 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 and in the New Testament, James writes about this. And specifically for the person who is in the position of leadership and teaching the Bible, he says this in James 3.1. He says, Don't let, it says, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you will fall under a stricter judgment. Meaning, man, for the person that is representing God to the people, like in a position right now where I am, he says, man, he says, James actually says, hey, man, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you're going to fall under a stricter judgment, a stricter condemnation. Meaning for me, man, if I'm coming up here and representing God to you and, and teaching the word and, man, there's something wrong in my heart that I know I haven't taken before the Lord. Or if I'm teaching the word of God in a deceitful way or in a way that, 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 that I have other intentions and motives. James says, hey, man, you're going to fall under a stricter judgment. You're going to fall under a stricter condemnation. Right? For the priest that, that goes up there and ministers before the Lord and doesn't uh, offer this burnt, the, the, the sacrifice for his sins. Hey, man, he's going to fall under a stricter condemnation. He's telling them. And so he goes on to say, again, as, as, he, as he's giving the instructions for the priest. And he says this in verse 11. He says, But the bull's hide in all its flesh, with its head and its legs, its entrails and ophel, the whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out, and burn it on wood with fire where the ashes are poured out, and it shall be burned. Notice this. As they were to bring this offering before the Lord, it says that the hide, all the bull's hide, and its flesh, he says, hey man, you're not going to offer flesh on the same altar that you're going to offer the sacrifice. And what does that speak to us? Hey man, the Lord doesn't want no part in our flesh. As we come and we serve Him, we walk with Him, like, hey man, don't, bring, don't get the flesh involved. Right? The, the flesh is something that the Lord does not want. He's not, it's something that He doesn't honor. If I'm serving God in my own flesh, meaning in my own carnal desires or ambitions, God's like, hey man, I don't want no part of that, angel. Right? If I'm doing... This, you know, pastoring, church planting, all these things in order to make my name big or, 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 or maybe in order to, to get my name known or in order to grow the church big so I could puff up my ego. That's flesh, man. And God says, hey, I, want, I don't want no part of that. He says, I'm not in that. Right? And so interesting that even as they were to bring these offerings, he says, hey, look, the, the hide and the flesh, he says, don't burn it on the altar. But he says, take it outside the camp, like far away from the camp. He says, don't, don't even bring it among the people. He says, take it all the way outside the camp where the ashes are poured out. And burn it there. And so the flesh and the height of this bull was to be burnt where the ashes were thrown out. Pretty much just like a dumping place. You know, all right, man, what do you do with, it? with all that's left over from the, from, the, from the sacrifice? It's all ashes. They were to take it outside the camp. It was like the dump, right? It was a local dump. He says, hey, man, the flesh and the height, he says, I got a place for that, man. Take it to the dump. Take it to where all the ashes are poured out. He says, and it should be burned out there. And he says, verse, in verse 13, he says, now, if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally and the, things, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything which should not be done and are guilty, he says, when the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting and the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord. Then the bull shall be killed before the Lord the anointed priest shall bring some of the bull's blood to the tabernacle of meeting. Then the priest shall dip 
his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, which is the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He says, he shall take all the fat from it and burn it on the altar. And he shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering. Thus he shall do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them. And it shall be forgiven them. Then he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it as a burn as he burned the first bull. It is a sin offering for the assembly. And then he says this in verse 22. Now when a ruler has sinned and done something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord, his God, and anything which he should which should not be done, and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it at the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It's a sin offering. The priest shall take some of its blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering, and pour its blood at the base of the altar of the burnt offering. And he shall burn it, its fat on the altar like the fat of the sacrifice of the peace offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sins, and it shall be forgiven him. Man, amazing. Again, as, as now starting there in verse 13. God is addressing now, he says, if a whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally. First, he says, all right, if an individual or if a priest. He says, now, if the whole congregation sins unintentionally, which is going to happen later on as we get into the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy, we're going to have accounted for us uh, a, a couple of times where the congregation as a whole sinned against God. Just like they did when, the, when, when Moses was up there talking to God in the mountain and they all began to just worship this false calf, right, this false idol, this golden calf. There's going to be other instances where they're going to be given over to either their fleshly desires or idolatry. And them as a whole uh, as a whole congregation are going to sin before the Lord. And so notice that the Lord is making provisions for that before it even happens. Man, that's the grace of God. Because God could have said, alright, when this happens, man, get rid of these guys. Kill them off, cast them off, whatever. But no, God knowing in the sovereignty. Because God is sovereign and because God is, the theological word for it is impassable. We talk about the impassibility of God, meaning that God is not surprised by our actions, right? We're surprised when things happen because we don't see them coming. But God, because He exists outside of time, He's the beginning, the middle, and the end. He is, the, like in Revelation, the Alpha and the Omega. He is outside of time. He's not surprised by anything because you see it coming. He sees it coming. He knows it's going to happen already. He saw it already before it even happened. Right? That's the impassibility of God. And so God is gonna God knows already as He's giving Moses these instructions, He knows that the people are gonna sin as a whole congregation, more than once. And so God is is making provision for the people before they even sin, knowing that they're gonna sin intentionally. That's amazing. That's again the grace of God. The grace of God. And no, I love that how the Lord, I mean, if He wanted to, He could have created us like robots. Obey, 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 obey. Right? He could have instilled his, his law in our hearts and just programmed us to where, man, we just obey without question. But God didn't do that. Right? The, one of the greatest displays of love and grace on, on, on behalf of God is the fact that He gave us a free will. And He gave us the, the, the freedom to choose what we're going to do with our lives. That's one of the greatest displays of God's love and grace. Why? Because, again, He could have forced us. To love him. He could have created us and programmed us in such a way where we just obey, 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 obey. But God doesn't want that. God doesn't want this blind obedience. God doesn't want this blind, uh, you know, just following of Him. This blind love. This forced love. We've said many times from this pulpit, man, that forced love is not love. But in fact, it's rape. 
Right? And that's not God, man. He's not going to force us to love Him. He's not going to force us to obey Him. And so God, knowing that He created us with a free will and knowing that, that, that we're given over to our sin at times, that He makes a, a provision for their sins before it even happens. And so the provision was, all right, He says, if, He says, when, He says, if the congregation of Israel sinned unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, He says, all right, man, He says, now they should bring, and He goes on to, to, to explain the, the bull, right, the, the bull that they're to bring. But notice what it says this in verse 20, he says, And he shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering. Thus he shall do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them and it shall be forgiven them. Man, that's God. That's God. That he knows your shortcomings before they happen. And he's already forgiven. He's already forgiven. For the people here in the Old Testament as they were receiving this, keep in mind that this was before Jesus died on the cross. So they were to literally, physically go and bring up this bull every time they sin unintentionally. For us, as New Testament believers, man, that sacrifice has already been made on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, He died knowing that we're going to continue to sin unintentionally. Knowing that our hearts are wicked. Knowing that we're going to continue to fall short. Knowing that our hearts are just inclined to, to obey the, the desires of our flesh and our lust and our, our, our carnal ambitions. But He made that provision already. And as he died on the cross, now he died for all our sins, our past, present, and our future sins that we're gonna that we're gonna commit. Man, that's the love of God right there. And that God is quick to forgive, that God is uh, full of justice, full of mercy. Right. I believe it's Lamentations, the book of Lamentations is written by, by the prophet Jeremiah. Lamentations 3.23 says, Because of the Lord's mercy, we're not consumed. Because of the Lord's mercy, we're not consumed. Because His mercies are new every morning. And that's, that's the reality of, man, just walking with the Lord, that His mercies are new every morning. I could mess up all day and just beat myself up, and I wake up the next morning, I know, man, God, thank you, because today your mercies are new. Meaning, fresh, clean slate. I don't have to look, I no longer have to live in the guilt of the past, the guilt of yesterday, the guilt of last night. All right, Lord, your mercies are new for me today. Right? And God's encouragement for us is to walk in, this new, in those new mercies today. And so he says, not just for the people, but now he says, if a ruler has sinned and done something unintentionally, he says, then he shall bring a kid of the goats. In verse 24, it says, he shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it. Again, identifying with this, with this goat. And in verse 27, if anyone of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything which he should not do, he says, if, he, if his sin which he committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as an offering also a kid of the goats. And so notice how the offering, the sin offering for a ruler in verse 22 was a kid of the goats. The sin offering for a common person in verse 27 is a kid of the goats. So for a ruler, somebody who is in the position of authority, his, his sin offering was the same as a common person, meaning just, hey man, just a regular average, average Joe. Right? Why? Because God's not a respecter of persons. He's not. He doesn't look at us like we see each other. We look at each other in terms of social class, in terms of titles, in terms of position, in terms of wealth, all these things. We're respecters of each other. right? We're the ones who put titles and all these things on each other. God doesn't. He's any man for the ruler and for the common person. He says, the sin offering is the same. A kid of the goats. Kid of the goats. Right? That's good. I like that. It says, a, a, a female without blemish for a sin which he has committed, verse 29, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. 
Then the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar and pour out the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, the fat that is removed from the sacrifice of peace offering, and the priest shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. If he brings a lamb, verse 32, and his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill it as a sin offering at the place where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood, and with his, uh, dip his finger in and put it on the horns of the altar, the burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. Then he shall remove all its fat, uh, the fat of the lamb, is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. Then the priest shall burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. So the priest shall make the atonement for the sin and he, that he has committed, and it shall be forgiven him. I love how it says after all these different offerings that they were to make, it says that it was, it was a sweet smelling aroma unto the Lord. Not too much that the Lord has a nose and he's smelling, you know, the, 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 the meat as, as it's, it's burning up, right? This is describing God in uh, and what's known as uh, anthropomorphic terms, meaning given human characteristics to describe God. God can't smell because he doesn't have a nose. But, me, but, but what he's saying is that when it says that it's a sweet smelling aroma unto the Lord, meaning, hey, it's something pleasant unto the Lord. Why? Because an offering is being made for sins, meaning that fellowship is being restored. And whenever fellowship is restored between sinful man and holy God, to the Lord it's pleasant, it's sweet. It's like the sweet smelling aroma unto the Lord has ah, something to be desired. Right? It's something that just it makes you crave it. Think about what, what, again, specifically talking about this meat that's being offered, man. When you get, when it's barbecue time and, 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 and the meat's grilling on the, on the, uh, uh, the meat's on the grill cooking and you smell that, man, it makes you want to, it makes you hungry for it. It makes you desire it. It makes you crave it. And that's what it's speaking of, man. When this offering is being made unto the Lord, it's a sweet smelling aroma, knowing that this fellowship is being restored and knowing that this, that, 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 that provision is being made for your sins, is it something to be desired? It's something that, that's going to make you want to crave it. It's something, right, desirable. It's something pleasant to the Lord, right? And it's something pleasant to, to the person who's offering because they know, hey, man, my sins are being covered. For us, our sins are not covered, but they're forgiven. They're forgiven. For the person in the Old Testament that was to bring all these offerings, they knew that they had to come back another time when they sinned because now they had to bring a new offering for a new sin. They had to come every day, every month, every year. But for us, the Bible tells us that Jesus was the final, the last, the perfect offering, once and for all. I mean, that we don't have to come and, 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 and give our life to Jesus, and He, has, he has, doesn't have to come and die on the cross every time we sin. No, man, we give our life once, and He dies on the cross once, and that's enough for all our sins, right? Even when we mess up again later on in the future. And I love that. I love that. And just like, just like this, these sacrifices were a sweet-smelling sweet aroma to the Lord, you know, whenever a sinner comes to the Lord and, and believes... In Jesus, and on we did on the cross, on, on the ultimate sacrifice, for the Lord it's pleasant. For the Lord it's sweet-smelling wife, because all of a sudden fellowship is restored. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your word. And